0: Luke chapter 1. Call this the silence is broken because uh, it was. For some approximately 400 years, uh, no word from heaven from it of any kind came. Not through a prophet, not through a dream, not through a, a visitation by an angel or anything. Until the birth of Christ. Some uh, background... And I'm going to read a little bit of it to get us uh, orientated here a little bit. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah and his wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And that's the same Elizabeth that's uh, Mary's cousin. And they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly, in the commandments and the requirements of the Lord, and they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. Okay, and I'm going to run through a lot of this very quickly. I, it's in there, for, uh, mainly for your information. So this, uh, okay, the last word we know came through uh, Malachi, and that was approximately somewhere between 435-424 B.C. and that, somewhere in that time frame. Now, this Herod, king of Judah, he's also known as Herod I or Herod the Great. Again, they give themselves those titles. He was quite proud of himself. Now, he was confirmed as king by the Roman Senate <clears throat> per the recommendation of Octavian and Antony in 40 B.C., Okay, Herod was a Edomite, which is our descendants of Esau. You know, and then the Edomites were not on real friendly terms with the Jews. So, and then, but Herod, though he was, he was a politician. Herod was a politician. He was mean and nasty and ugly as an individual, but he was a politician. And so, I just listed some bullet points about stuff that he did. Uh, Herod worked to gain favor with the Jews, okay they obviously being an Edomite, the Jews were not going to accept him as a king, even a puppet king okay but he began building the temple, the temple that was around during the ministry of christ that the uh, that was a beautiful thing that they that the disciples marveled at and said, "Oh, look at this beautiful temple that 's what that 's Herod did that project." And um, <clears throat> he also constructed the port in the city of Caesarea, which is quite a uh, industry and uh, so forth. He built the fortress at Masada. And this is, we would all like him for this, twice he lowered the people's taxes. If nothing else. Yeah, he was a Republican. Okay, okay. In the famine, in the famine of 25 B.C., he melted some of the gold objects in his palace to buy food for the poor. Okay? I'd say he was a politician. He became so popular with some of the Jews, a pro-Herod party, which is a political group, was formed called the Herodians. Let's look at Mark 12. They were right close. Mark 12 is just a little short few pages back. Mark twelve 13. I'm going to back up to 12 to set the context a little bit better. And they, the, the, now the they there were the Jewish leadership, always out to get Christ, and they were seeking to seize him, and yet they feared the multitude, for they understood that he spoke the parable against them, So as, <clears throat> and so they left him and went away. And they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to him in order to trap him in a statement. This is an interesting thing. The religious people had nothing to do with the Herodians. They were considered sellouts. They were non-religious at all. They were, they were strictly a political group. Then that's all they really cared about. So, but the Jews... The leadership hated Jesus so much that they started you know the uh, enemy of my enemy is my friend, you know that kind of thing. and so they solicited the uh, the help of the Herodians to go against Christ. and so I thought that was interesting enough to bring up because the Herodians do play a at least a small part. They did early on, I don't know how much they had after the King Herod died. But um, uh, they were still a political group, and they were a group of people. They, you notice they don't show up much in the New Testament. I just, I really don't think they had a lot. But, again, the scribes, Pharisees, priests, they were looking for anybody that would work with them to attack Jesus. And, and uh, so that's how, that's how they were. But then, now let's look at Herod's darker side. Like I say, he did a lot for political reasons, but uh, he murdered his wife, Mariamne of Samaria, her mother, and her brother. The guy was paranoid. He was king. He was an appointed king. And his paranoia just drove him. Anybody that he, he even thought might be a threat to his kingship, they were gone. I mean, they were gone. He also murdered several of his own children. Because they were the next in line, and he didn't want to be moved out sooner than he thought he should be, or whatever, he just killed them. And then, of course, we know from the uh, Christmas story that Herod ordered the killing of all the baby boys who were in Bethlehem. And we can we're not going to go there now, but it's Matthew two sixteen to eighteen. And Herod died approximately four B.C. You can read it, that's in Matthew two nineteen. Remember the uh, flight to Egypt? And then when they heard that Herod died, the family came back up. And so that's that's Herod and enough of him. Okay, Now, the important part, <clears throat> that's just a little bit about what he's all about. So when you read through, uh, if you get that far in the Christmas story, uh, you know, after the Magi leave, you know, they double-cross him, <laughs> they Go out. The, they take the back road out of town, right? And they don't visit Herod and tell him where the where the Messiah, the King of the Jews, is is being uh, kept. He uh, mem- yeah, and that's an interesting thing about the wise men, because a lot of people wonder, well, how in the world did they ever get the word uh, about that? And there's a lot of theories about the wise men, and um, uh, one is that our friend Daniel because he was one of the Magi he was of that group and maybe he left some kind of written record or an oral record that got passed down we don't know but one thing we do know from the New Testament that when the Magi were in town the Lord spoke to them in a dream that could have been the way they knew about it in the first place the Lord spoke to them in a dream they all got up, and because that was, when you look at the Magi, they were in that group, of the larger group, some of them were called Magi, sorcerers, incantors there were all kinds of different, spiritualistic stuff, that was going on, that, it's a big group of people, and, um, so, dreams would not be, too far out of their bailiwick, you know what I mean, it's just, people were, there were people that, that's what they thought they could do, was, you know, uh, interpret dreams, so, if you had who knows how many magi. There was three gifts. We don't know how many magi. But anyway. <laughs> a, a believer, so to speak. But that, that, uh, you give three or four or five. Whatever, how many were people? Uh, the same dream. The same night. They all wake up and discuss that dream. It's time to get up and go. Yeah. And then you get Salvation is by grace. Through faith. They got up and went, and you read that story. They were, without question, true believers. False believers aren't going to bow down and worship the King of the Jews. They might acknowledge a King of the Jews, but they don't worship a King of the Jews, especially as an infant, as a baby. See that? So anyway, we've uh, kind of gone astray here. <laughs> yeah. Well, A.D. and B.C. That's man. That's a man-made calendar. Well, right, but it, but it relates to... It does, it does, sure, here. sure. And Herod died in 4 B.C. Jesus was born probably 5, maybe 6 B.C. And the numbers vary. Nobody knows. Because, again, time wasn't calculated that way. If you want to... You could use... The Jewish calendar starts year 1 was creation. And it goes... And it, there's no A.D. or B.C. And so... And you've got the what you've got the Gregorian calendar, and you've got this calendar, and you've got that calendar, and they try to rectify things and as close as people can figure, Herod died in four BC as we look at the calendar today. So, Christ, right, but, but, his birth wasn't wasn't That's when I was. That's when I was It to wasn't think. the year one. They tried to make it that. I, now remember BC does and the heathen hate this it stands for before Christ right according to that but see the, again time is off the, the human calculation of time was off and so that, that's that's thats what the, the biggest thing 4 BC tells us is that uh, you know nice shot but you missed it guys Yes. Latin. After Christ. <laughs> but that is what it means. Yes. That's what it means. Year, yeah. of year of our Lord. Yeah. Mhm. Anno year, damn right. Yeah. The old Latin stuff. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 You do a, a that might come up if we ever do a, a Bible history kind of a approach but uh, I think it's time to move on to Zacharias and Elizabeth here okay Zacharias and Elizabeth now as far as Zacharias now he was of the division of Abijah and uh, again um, there was 24 divisions of priests okay each division was named after one of the grandsons of Aaron and you can look them up in First Chronicles 24, 1 through 19. Okay? And uh, you'll find Abijah in there. Now, each division would serve at the temple for one week, twice a year. Now, where it says now, Zacharias and Elizabeth were righteous in the sight of God. In other words, they were true Old Testament saints. We can just shorten it that way. Okay? And I, I wanted to point this out because this gets confused sometimes but like all old testament saints they were saved by grace through faith because i remember again i never forget this conversation years ago with a lady and goes well she thought you know we we're saved by grace in the new testament and they were saved by keeping the law in the old testament <laughs> and um, no But let's, but Luke, you know, Luke 1 6, they were both righteous in the sight of God. What's Ephesians 2 8 through 10? Anybody know that one by heart? For by grace are we saved through faith, not our work. Yeah, Ephesians 2. Let's go. Ephesians 2. uh, And my Bible wound up in Hebrews. How does that work? Ephesians 2.8 For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works that uh, no one should boast. And that goes on. Don't forget verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Okay? Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, um, we can throw it out this way. If if you have been saved by grace, there are works for you to do in this life <laughs> that God wants us to do. Okay? Um, Mary, you go back to Genesis 6, 7 to 9. We won't right now, but that's Noah. And it a lot of the uh, Bible verses read, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Well, that the Hebrew word favor... Um, could be translated grace, and it would be a correct translation. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Let's look at Romans 4. Romans 4. We looked at it just to tie this together. Obviously, Romans 4 1 through 17 would be a kind of a big lesson all by itself. Probably couple of weeks worth anyway talking about abraham's is um and again this the subject in here is okay justification by faith not works because remember remember that f- the new testament written in the first century probably the single biggest heresy of that time period came out of the judaizers and it was all over the place they had a Acts fifteen, they had a whole conference about it, church conference about it. The church got together to discuss the matter. It was such a problem. And what they were saying is, well, yeah, you, you gotta believe in Christ, but you also have to keep the law. And circumcision came up, and you know, you, you know, you must circum they must be circumcised to be saved, you know, and they're just all this stuff was going around. And so Paul is addressing that here. Um Let's pick it up in verse 2 of uh, Romans 4. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. See, if he was justified by works, what does Ephesians say? Not of works, lest any man should boast. What does that mean? If we have anything to do with our salvation, we pull glory away from God. We're stealing God's glory. That's a major sin. Verse 3. For what does Scripture say? And Abraham believed God... And it was reckoned to him as righteousness. His faith, his believing, was then reckoned or accounted him as righteousness. Why? Because if it wasn't for grace, he would have never had that faith. <laughs> See, it was God's doing. In verse 4, Now, to the one who works his wage, is it not reckoned as a, as a favor? But what is due? See, yeah, if you, a wage is something you earn. Grace is a gift, something given, just plain given. Verse 5, he goes on to explain, But to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is reckoned as righteousness. Just as David speaks blessing of the man whom God reckons righteous apart from the works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Is this... Is this blessing then upon the circumcised or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say, faith was reckoned to Abraham as righteousness. Now then, was it reckoned? Now when was it reckoned? Good question. When was that, When did that reckoning happen? When did Abraham exhibit that faith, that first act of faith? Verse 10, how then was it reckoned to him? While well, he was well, he was circumcised or uncircumcised? And he answers his own question. Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. In chapter 12 of Genesis, you had the, Abraham's call. It wasn't until what, 15, 16, 7, chapter 15, 16, 17, later on down the road, where circumcision then became a sign of the Abrahamic covenant. Which came later, but he came a believer first, he was saved before circumcision was ever even brought into the situation see that so it, it was not a matter of that and go right and go and we keep moving further, the law didn't even come until Moses, so we're talking centuries later so that's the point there that Paul's making you know and and I again I think you know ephesians two five you know, that whole passage, Ephesians 2, is quite a dynamic chapter, really. Ephesians 2, 5, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. Save. And it was the same for the Old Testament saints as well. Same thing for Zacharias and Elizabeth. That's why they lived righteous before the Lord. Why? Because they were God's part of God's chosen people. And that's how God's people act. Yeah, that's how they act. That's how they respond to the faith. That's why they were walking blamelessly. and the, the, the language here does not mean sinless perfection. We're gonna see we're going to see in a minute that that didn't work. Okay. And then walking blamelessly and you can see you can look at these verses on your own about other believers in the Old Testament that walked blamelessly. Now Elizabeth was bearing barren. barren. And they were both advanced in years. So there's two reasons why there's no expectation of having children. Number one, she's barren to begin with. And then they were past that age, so to speak. All right? But uh, you notice in the the scriptures how God used miracle births a few times? Okay? Um, And the ultimate... Miracle birth was the upcoming virgin birth as the story would progress in Luke. Now the duties of the priest, and I'm for this, I'll pop through this real quick. To make a long story short, by going in and doing the incest, you were going right into the holy place. And only a veil separated the incense table from the holy of holies where the ark of the covenant was where you just didn't go you didn't where he didn't go back there he was lighting the incense table that was in front of that curtain okay and <clears throat> there's a you know there's a large number of priests Remember, the priests were the Levi okay uh, that from the tribe of Levi and they were scattered all over the country among all the 12 tribes, and they had duties where they lived, and then they pulled duty to come into Jerusalem twice a year. So, and in the trip there, they cast lots of the people that were there to uh, go in and burn the incense. And because of the large number of priests, there were some priests that the lot never fell to them their entire life to go in there and, and take that and have that privilege of lighting the incense before the Lord. But the uh, lot fell to Zacharias, uh, that, that, that trip. And let's read Luke 1, uh, 8 through 10 to get that going. For context going for us. Now, it came about while he was performing his priestly services before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole... <clears throat> a whole multitude of people were in prayer outside at the hour that the incense was being offered. So he was out there. You can a good little description of it actually in Hebrews nine one to three. We won't turn there either. And then verse ten, uh, the ascending smoke, the incense symbolizes the prayers of the people going up to heaven, right? And that that was all symbolic. Now here's where the story really gets good, beginning verse eleven. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing in the right of the altar of incense. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw him, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. And you will have joy and gladness and and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine nor liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn back many of the sons of Israel to their Lord, their God, and, <clears throat> and it is he who will go out as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and to, and to, to the disobedient to the attitude of the graciousness. So as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zachariah said to the angel, How shall I know this for certain? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold... You shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place because you did not believe my words, which shall be fulfilled in their proper time. Wow. Oh, there's a lot there. But <clears throat> when it says he was troubled, he was troubled. It was, I mean, he was like stirred up. He was very, yeah, he was nervous, shaking, like you are shaking in your boots. Fear gripped him. One of the things, though, in here, you know that 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 four hundred years of silence was broken. We move right down where it says, "Don't be afraid." It's interesting. Uh, that seems to be the buzzword when an angel shows up <laughs> to an unsuspecting human being. Don't be afraid. <laughs> you know, that's quite a, <clears throat> especially where how it happened here, where he's in there, and all of a sudden, yeah. this person is standing there. Okay, Uh, that would be a shock, because nobody gets in there. I mean, nobody but him was even in there, and all of a sudden, there he is. Okay? Um, No need to fear, and why? Because uh, I'm not coming here to judge anybody. As we we get back into Revelation, we've already seen it somewhat. We're going to see it more next time. Angels... um, two two, func- two big functions we see of God using angels one to make announcements like Gabriel I think he had a great job you talk about having an inside track on all the information <laughs> that was that was Gabriel and uh, but then too angels are also used to announce and even have a hand in God's judgment no, that was God's yeah that's it just so happened to <laughs> fell there you know yeah. And we know why it just so happened. <laughs> Again, that's that's the sovereignty of God, because there was a message that God wanted to bring to Zacharias, and I find it interesting. He did it in the temple while he was burning the incense, which is symbolic of prayers going to heaven, and he's in the midst of this of this uh, formalized worship. And the angel. the first thing the angel said is he was the incense representing prayer says, Yo, by the way, your prayer has been answered. You're gonna have a son. Okay. I'm, right right <laughs> I'm gonna say it was on, on his right. On his right, okay. And the candle, there's a big candle set up on the left hand side, so uh, in the altar. Okay. Well, he definitely hadn't been praying recently no. because he didn't think it could happen. No. Yeah. Well, it definitely, it definitely, Zacharias, without without a doubt, he had doubt. Because yeah. <laughs> he says, How can this be? I'm old. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, I mean, there's no, yeah, he was, yeah, he, uh, I don't think he'd prayed uh, at least for a week, probably more. <laughs> <But> then, <laughs> I think it may have been quite some time since he's actually. I think he kind of. I think he actually gave up on that one, but but it but it is interesting the fact that that prayer was heard, but like everything else, uh, that prayer was going to be answered in God's time, not in what Zacharias' time or Elizabeth's time. It was going to be answered in, in God's time when it, uh, and it served and it <clears throat> it served a major purpose. I mean, their son. They brought they brought John the Baptist into the world. I mean, that's that's a big thing. That's a big thing. Um, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, um, we're probably going to have to we're going to pass on the whole section there about the greatness of John the Baptist. He, he is a study all by himself, which we should probably do one day. Um, we'll actually might do it on Sunday when it gets there. If he doesn't, we'll do one here. He's a tremendous, tremendous servant of God. Tremendous. Um, uh, Jesus had quite uh, high praise of him as well. So, I mean, uh, it's, it's worthy to take note of, of someone that Jesus praises that much. He might be a guy we should follow. <laughs> you know? So, I think he'd be definitely worth looking at. Yeah. 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 She wasn't doubting. She was wondering, you know, how are you going to pull this off? Right. I'm being that I'm a virgin. And then he explained how I'm going to pull it off, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The Lord knows the heart. Oh, absolutely, knows the heart. absolutely. And again, um, it starts off too. Scripture starts off by letting us all know, before we get into the into the story, that Zach Zacharias and Elizabeth were righteous people. Righteous people can doubt every now and then. <laughs> Having doubts. Does not mean zero faith. It could be a faith lapse, but it's not a loss of faith. Okay, so we want to put all that, all this, in perspective. And I got some, put some verses down there under Elizabeth will bear you a son. Um, <clears throat> you know, you um, you can see the miracle births. There's Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, and you had all through. It's just like Scripture is setting us up for this virgin birth. You know, and um about the greatness of John the Baptist we're going to pass and move to the third page of our <laughs> our our handout just for the for for time's sake <clears throat> and we will one day come back to the, uh, John the Baptist for sure luke one in luke one uh, verse thirteen again um but the angel said, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you'll give him the name John. And then the reproof now. I love this. This, is, this would get your attention. Verse 19, the angel answered, you know, you know, when he says, how do I know for certain and all that? Okay. Look back up. Verse 17. And it is he who will give you a forerunner before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children of the disobedient, to the attitude of the righteous, so that many make ready a people prepared for the Lord, because the Lord was about to come. John the Baptist is going to be the forerunner. We talk about this 400 years of silence. Where is that prophecy? Does anybody know where that prophecy is about the forerunner that's coming in the spirit of Elijah? Malachi, that's the last word from God prior to this. I don't believe that's an accident either. That's where the Old Testament left off, right there. And that's, that's Malachi chapter 4. There's what, four or five verses there? That's, that's Malachi chapter 4, that's it, which is the last chapter of Malachi. That's, that's where Malachi ended his book, which were the last statements from God, Recorded in the Old Testament. Okay, and so now here we are. We pick up right from there. Really, in Luke, Luke one picks up from where Malachi left off, and here we are. And the one Malachi, the one God prophesied through Malachi, is now being spoken of as you're going to Zacharias, and Elizabeth are going to give birth to that to that man. I mean, think about, he knew he knew those. Zacharias knew those prophecies. He was a righteous man and a priest. He knew that prophecy of Malachi. He knew that. There's no question in my mind he knew that. And he, but he still, verse 18, uh, he says, How shall I know this for certain? For I'm old, and my wife is advanced in years. And the, angel, and the angel answered him another word that he would know. I am Gabriel. He would know that name. We read that name in Daniel. The angel Gabriel spoke to Daniel. Answering Daniel's prayer, by the way. <laughs> Where he came, I've heard your prayer, I'm here to answer it. And, then, and he gave us that. His answer was the uh, whole deal on the 70 weeks, which is so easy to understand. <laughs> and fosters no controversy. <laughs> it, was, it was Gabriel. I mean, again, <clears throat> it was Gabriel. So he knew that. And who's, it's Gabriel, and he emphasizes his position. It's like kind of letting him know who you're uh, not believing here. It says, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. You know, uh, that's a guy you don't want to mess with. <laughs> Somebody that stands in the presence of, of God. All right? <clears throat> but this was a powerful... Some say, and we don't know for sure, some say he was one of uh is described as being an archangel like a special class of angel and we're going to see that when we get back into the uh into revelation those those events that lead right up to his second coming where <clears throat> there were seven angels in the presence of god we'll kind of deal with this there because it may have something to do. i'm still not through studying that yet <laughs> but we'll see how that goes but no that's a that's a special position. And again, we know that um, Gabriel and Michael are the only two angels that we know of by name. okay? I'm sure they all had names, but those are the only two that Scripture gives us a name for. Now now you're going to be silent and um, <clears throat> oh wait a minute, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring to you this good news. Okay, there's a lot of good news there. The good news, yes, you're gonna, your prayer's been answered, but this good news that you're going to be the parents of the forerunner of Messiah, that's tremendous news. Think about that. And then verse 20, And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which, <clears throat> which shall be uh, fulfilled in their proper time. And then we have now, you move, we'll move down, uh, and he came out, he couldn't speak, and so the, verse 22, so people knew something was wrong, oh, verse 21, and the people were waiting uh, for Zacharias and were wondering at his delay in the temple. People started getting nervous. Did he die in there? I mean, he's an old man, <laughs> you know, You because, know, you know, some had ropes tied to him, so if they did die, <laughs> they could pull him out, but... Uh, but they were getting concerned about him because he was in there with this conversation. You know, you just light the incense and get it going. That's, you know, you're not, you know, it's not like you're spending spent a day of it. And so uh, this conversation with the angel Gabriel took more time than normal. So people were wondering. And then we'll move down to verse uh, 23. And it came about when the days of his priestly service were ended that he went back home. And after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, this is, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when, when he looked upon me with favor, me to take away my disgrace among men. See, that was, people, if you didn't have a baby, if you, all your married life, people said, well, God must not like you. I mean, it, it was, they were, people were kind of cruel that way. They just felt wrongly. They felt that was just judgment from God for something you did wrong, and uh, <clears throat> of course it wasn't. And this—I mean—we could keep going. It's such a, it's a beautiful story, but yeah, that's that's a lot of a lot of this—the part with John the Baptist and those first days. It's kind of like the uh, part of the Christmas story that often never gets told. So, I thought I'd bring that out. And next week, again being Christmas. We're not going to do anything here, so we'll just be, so we won't have a Christmas thing here. But I put in, or in the back on the bottom of the sheet here on page three, I just listed order of events and Christmas in the, uh, in order in which they happened. And uh, I also have a handout, if anybody wants it, that I put most of those order and events typed out the verses so if you wanted to I know sometimes you might, might be nice if you have kids or grandkids at home it takes about 15 minutes or so to just read the verses and just read all three it starts with Luke and it flows into Matthew and then back into Luke and finishes off in Matthew with the magi that come one clue on the magi they don't, they don't show up until after Jesus was presented in the temple and we don't even know how far after that it was, how many days, months, weeks. Some say it could be as much as two years later. So why I'm letting you know, so if you have the magi standing in your major scene, take them out of there. It's, un- it's unbiblical. What you, what you want to do is take them and move them to the east side of the room, heading in. <laughs> okay. Yeah, when, by the time they showed up, they were in the house. So you, you might want to do a reconstruction job on the manger and then bring them in. <laughs> do a do a room addition. All right, let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just we thank you for this time of year. We thank you, Lord, that this celebration still continues, and we pray, Lord, that as the world um, sings about Santa Claus, we we sing and praise our Savior. And again, Lord, we thank you for sending our Savior to us. In Jesus' name, amen.